Hello and welcome to this episode of the Nobel Peace Prize. I am here with my good friend Ben Maloney. I thought I'd introduce you to how Ben and I kind of became the bestest of friends today, which was probably around three years ago. And we were on a group trip to Berlin, Cimara 2, which was epic. And we stayed in Premier Inn and we cried listening to my viola concerto and spent the rest of the time nerding out to Mengelberg's book about Beethoven's symphonies. Whilst next door, there was a man who had around an hour earlier threatened to beat our heads in. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was an interesting day. And we had to change... No, we didn't. That was when we got to Germany. We had to change room because we turned up expecting like our own hotel room and there was a bunch <laughs> of German guys asleep in there. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what happens when you book a, book a £10 a night hostel instead of the Ritz. Yeah, we didn't quite realise the sleeping arrangements yeah. until we but got at, there. At the Premier Inn, um, there was this guy who was clearly very sleep deprived and we came and we were on holiday. We were very happy and, you know, excited to be there but we were all laughing and making jokes and probably being quite loud and annoying to be fair and this really scary looking guy with like eyes that were bulging out of his eye sockets was like came out swearing at us yeah. and be like i will beat you up i will report you i will you know i can be very dangerous when i'm angry and yeah that was the first first night away to being escorted away by the police didn't <laughs> And the yeah. rest is history. Fact, I remember we, that was that was pretty <laughs> stressful because history. the next day we were we were being like obviously we're the slowest in the group, and we were, didn't quite get ready in time. And I remember the pressure we were under being shouted at by everyone to get on the bus. <laughs> and I remember running through the reception and thinking it would be a good idea for the checkout to just throw our. <laughs> We just threw the, what was it? The, threw the keys It was the something. key card. This was at like 5am in the morning. It was a final act of defiance. <laughs> yeah, we, th we threw it at the people at the desk and then just went out of the room. And they had to come out and get us and say, Look, you actually have to check out. You can't just you throw the stuff at us. <laughs> but we were running late for the plane. And then I hate to say it, it was because you were gelling your hair up. It really was. Oh, it's a laborious process, Dan. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. I really do. <laughs> Right, well, um, that is my introduction. Yes, and I'm here with Daniel Hogan, who is a Watford-based conductor, composer, pianist, percussionist, cellist, many other things. And one of Dan's most glorious moments, which will forever be ingrained in my memory, is on his 20th birthday, when in York, Dan put on his uh, sparkly... Uh, Abba, blue Abba costume, which is completely very tight. Abba costume, it's very, really. very tight. It takes several <laughs> pairs of underwear for it to be wearable. Oh, you didn't have to say it's... that. That's <laughs> getting cut off. It's a compliment, if anything. <laughs> and uh, it's sparkly, it's complete with stars and everything. It's flares and everything, yeah. And, yeah, exactly. And funny enough uh, about flares, we that's where we were going to a nightclub in York called Flares, which is about as sort of cringy, sticky, like, <laughs> you know, sort of old man nightclub, middle-aged man nightclub as it gets. And they always play sort of 70s stuff in there. And I just remember Dan, like, bursting through the doors in his abasu on his birthday. And literally the second he got in, Dancing Queen was <laughs> blaring out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. at the start of Dancing Queen. And I bloody love Abba, so... It's just like great. they knew you were coming. I was bought Jager bombs by like five different 40 year old men that night. It was fantastic. <laughs> this is what happens when you wear an abbasit. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah, I tell, I tell them it's my birthday every time. It always works. <laughs> Great. 
And today we're honoured to be joined by Ethan Gillespie, who is a uh, pianist, composer, arranger uh, from Edinburgh, who's currently studying at RNCM. And uh, his sort of influences lie somewhere eternally between classical and jazz, and I'm sure he'll tell us more about that soon. But uh, thank you for joining us today, Ethan. No worries. It's great to be here with you guys uh, and looking forward to this podcast. Cool. Us too, yeah, we've been looking forward to this one, yeah. So, Dan, do you want to introduce the concept for today? Dan would love to introduce the concept for today. <laughs> um, so the concept for today, as introduced by Dan, is that we are looking at music that is chilled out, or music that you can wind down to. So, without further ado, if we hand over to Ethan, and we're looking forward to hearing your examples. Great, thank you, Dan. So for me, this was a difficult one because there is so much music that I like to chill out to and it totally depends on kind of how I'm feeling um, as to you know what I listen to, a lot of kind of jazz and stuff, typically in the evening after a lot of practice <laughs> during the day. It's a nice way to unwind, but I've picked two pieces, the first of which uh, is a classical one. It's by a Russian composer called Anatoly Yadov. This is a nice tone poem actually called The Enchanted Lake, uh, which was written in 1909. Beautiful piece, kind of um, otherworldly, magical. Um, here's a little quote that um, he said about it, in fact. Um, how picturesque it is, how clear the multitude of stars hovering over the mysteries of the deep. I've got a recording here from the Cleveland Orchestra and George Sell. This is called The Enchanted Lake. There we go. It is lovely. And it opens with that kind of shimmering string motif as well. It's um, it's a gorgeous one. And especially that horn line at the end. Oh, yes. Wonderful. It is gorgeous. Um, So that was my classical pick. Um, A little bit about, can't even pronounce his name, Yadov, I think it is. (laughs) Yeah, that's (laughs) okay. Hopefully we can edit that. So it sounds like I actually know his name. But um, in his early teens, he was a promising composition student at the St. Petersburg Conservatory, uh, but he was actually kicked out for missing classes. <laughs> As a matter of fact, later in his career, so he went back after graduation, uh, was reinstated and returned to teach later as a faculty member alongside his own composition teacher, um, Rimsky-Korsakov. It's kind of a little bit of an interesting history. He's Hopefully they didn't study the trombone concerto. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a horrendous piece? 
<laughs> well, for our, for our mega fans of this podcast, people will remember that Ben mentioned the trombone concerto in our first ever episode. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I've, lo- I've lost your train of thought from you there. No, it's fine. It would make more sense for the background about him to probably go before I play the piece. But Have you conducted that one, Ben? Ben? Dan? <laughs> you, um, I haven't actually, no. Um, no. I haven't conducted any. I see this is how I can't say it any better than Leodov. Leodov? Like, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But no, I, I like a lot of his music. The, the problem is, is that apparently he really is quite a lazy composer, apparently. Yeah, that's why that's he true. so like the opposite of prolific. Like, I yes. think there might only be around 40 opuses that he completed. Um, mm-hmm. But that is wonderful. And I think there's a kind of Baba Yaga piece, Baba, ya- Baba Yaga. Yes, is- yes. It's often put alongside um, pictures at an exhibition, certainly yeah. on records and things, quite similar mm-hmm. idiom. Yeah, you can definitely hear the Rimsky-Korsakov touches as well. In the Without orchestra. a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. And yeah. the um, orchestral colours, I just think if you listen to the whole of that, it's just kind of goes from this, initially this kind of serene, very much the kind of, shimmering surface of a lake and then it goes into something much more kind of pensive and comes back to that at the very end which is a nice touch absolutely yeah so my second pick here is from a jazz pianist called lyle mays um this is a track taken from his 1986 self-titled album a bit of background on Lyle Mays. He's best known for his work uh, with American jazz guitarist Pat Metheny and his ensemble, the Pat Metheny Group. Together, him and Metheny composed and arranged almost all of the group's music, which won them a total of 11 Grammy Awards. Um, Love this album. It's excellent. He didn't actually release a whole lot of solo material throughout his career, but this is a gorgeous piece for solo piano. It's called Mirror of the Heart. And here's a little clip from it. I loved that. I've listened to that all night. The whole piece is excellent. Um, I don't get a sense of how it opens there, but it's just this kind of haunting melody initially, kind of quite sparse in terms of the accompaniment. And it grows into this kind of, again, shimmering kind of climax mm. and then tails away at the end. But the harmony is just so rich and gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> I love that bit in the middle with this sort of tonal stuff underneath and then chromatic stuff. Yeah, it works really it well, that. It works really nicely. Definitely. A quite signature of him, actually, because he takes quite traditional jazz piano idiom mm. or quite a traditional idiom in terms of jazz piano and merges it with this kind of fusion style, which he developed um, quite extensively with Pat Metheny and, and that ensemble. But in this solo music, you really get a sense for it and kind of shows you the, the depth of the harmonic understanding of, of these guys and how it works in that solo piano setting. But no, the whole album is is great. So definitely want to check out. Okay, so the line of thinking I've gone down, it's thinking of a piece that really helps me to wind down, to try and feel chilled and relaxed when the outside world is just a little bit too much. 
This piece, Spiegel im Spiegel, which translates as Mirror in the Mirror by Arvo Pert, is my go-to if I need solace. A peaceful recluse away from the noise and stress, isolation and disappointment in our lives that can sometimes be quite overwhelming. For this piece is therapeutic in the way that it isn't necessarily intellectual or even necessarily thought-provoking, but just creates a sort of open space in your mind. It seems just completely void of negative emotions at all, really. I mean, normally slow, quiet compositions may portray a sense of longing or melancholy or may even be haunting, but this seems to simply exist, exist to be calm. It was written in 1978 when Pert was departing from a more avant-garde, angst-filled style and starting to experiment with a new, more meditative style of music, which he called Tintintabula. Pert described the style as an area I sometimes wander into when I'm searching for answers in my life, my music, my work. In my dark hours, I have the certain feeling everything outside this one thing has no meaning. The complex and many-faceted only confuses me, and I must search for unity. Everything that is unimportant falls away.
I think the especially beautiful thing about this piece is that within its constant peacefulness, although all the melodic material is made out of just slow F major scales in the violin, there is still much character in the phrases, and you can really get a sense of whether the music is shy and retreating, or more confident with almost little victories at the heights of the phrases. It is important to note that each phrase finishes on the major third as well, which is certainly the interval of hope. I really do think that in this piece, Pert has created the perfect open space to be alone with yourself and your thoughts in peace and safety, for the music is certainly vulnerable, yet so strong, a description that I imagine fits us all. And for that reason, this piece is reassuring, comforting, and ultimately timeless. Hope you like it. Hauntingly beautiful. That's gorgeous. It really is. Nice. So simple, but yeah, kind of really beautiful. Packs a lot of emotional power, doesn't it? Definitely. And actually, I'm a strong believer in kind of less is more in many cases, certainly with modern composition. I think very often fewer notes can actually mean more to the average listener today, I think, as well, with everybody having such busy lives, kind of these less complex pieces really so offer that kind of too much effort and so exactly intellectually you know it, yeah totally yeah. and that's that's yeah, why for me it's the piece that you know it's not about anything apart from simplicity in peacefulness and beauty and being at at one of yourself yeah definitely well sure. that's going in the yoga playlist tough one to follow up but in a way my idea is is not miles off that um in the sense that less is more um i know something obviously even we talk about quite a lot is you know how much effect simplicity in in music can actually have so i've gone with something um actually a time period that isn't really so simple which is um the grand siècle the 17th century in france which anyone who knows me knows as kind of my unhealthy obsession in music um <laughs> partly because uh it really in a way is the most lavish and um sort of sumptuous music possibly that's ever been written and ever will be and i don't mean that in the sense that it's the best because i know that's subjective but they had kind of they weren't exactly modest about it they firmly believed that it was and they had a point because it's not often in history you have a dictator with absolute power who's wants to throw all of his money at the arts <laughs> but for, for one century yeah for one century at least it wasn't a good life for everyone but for people who could afford it you know 17th century in france for architecture sculpture dance um music art was kind of the epicenter of um you know the de of the development of those fields in Europe, and this. So one of the, one of the king Louis the Fourteenth, the king, the Sun King. One of his favorite pastimes was playing the guitar, uh, and his teacher uh, Robert de Vizé was the sort of one of the the most famous uh, lute players at French court, and he was. Louis XIV's guitar teacher. He also wrote a couple of books of guitar music, which when I actually get time to practice the guitar is what I tend to go um, and play. But um, he also wrote music for lute and fiobo, which um, for those of you who don't know, is like a 
base loot, very, very long necked loot. And I mean, really long, you know, <laughs> they're <laughs> like meters long and they have these really long bass strings. So you can play in lots of registers at once. And they kind of designed a tuning system, which um, it's tuned in arpeggio. So you can play in lots of chords in the broken style. Steel Brise, they called it the, bro the broken style. And um, Devise became known for his kind of just ver very uh, idiomatic compositions for the lute. He was became known for performing them. So I'm going to I'm going to play you one of those. Um, this is a Chacon, which is a um, sort of uniquely French form. Um, you probably know it as the kind of Chacon that Handel or Purcell wrote. But prior to that in France, um, it started off mostly as an improvisational form. Um, so hang on, if you can hear my keyboard from here, <laughs> you probably know it as something like that kind of sort of progression that Lily used, but it, it did kind of start off as something much more simple where, where the chord sort of didn't really need to change much like that and you just have that descending bass line um, and you could improvise over it so in a way this is kind of a written out improvisation and it really is just pop music I mean I wouldn't think of think of it as anything more you know it's not trying to be complex or sophisticated it's just a nice chord progression and um, bits of bits of stuff over the top but I think there's something really kind of uh, introverted and very um, it's just music that's just extremely kind of easy to listen to and um, there's nothing much to to dislike about it so I hope you I hope it kind of lulls you into a state of um, relaxation as it as it does to me
it's almost a shame to stop it there but <laughs> um, it is really nice really that. The minor key. but yeah you know there's just uh, i don't know it's you sort of stop it's the kind of piece you stop really listening to the notes after a while and it's just kind of sound but... so spontaneous as well mm-hmm. i don't know it just has that sense doesn't it kind of that it's just being kind of pl- almost plucked out of the air yeah, i don't know it's flowing out yeah, yeah definitely and, uh, i think the beauty of the kind of timbre of the lute as well is that you can get away with these i don't even know how to put it but extremely expressive dissonances that yeah, if you were yeah. to just play verbatim on the piano As you wouldn't have that same exactly yeah. um but no gorgeous well uh i guess well, it's down to you the moment of truth oh, geez. <laughs> no pressure uh, i think in a way they weren't that dissimilar actually I was they weren't they were oh, yeah no. they were both of similar idioms just from different periods in musical history um mm. gee tough but i think for me the one that just kind of had that calming influence was probably daniel's yeah uh, Thank you. you the report. Well deserved. <laughs> Thank say. you very but much. Worth you. saying, they were both genuinely kind of. I think if I was in a certain mood, I could easily listen to to either, and and both yeah. provided that kind of calming, soothing, zen yeah. influence. Just both kind of different ways of going about it, I suppose. But yeah, well, thank you for yeah. such great picks. Well, thank you very much for, you for having yours, very yeah. good taste, Ethan. And thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dan, we all have good taste. We do. Exactly. We do. We do. Fine taste. We do. Is it yeah. me first, I think? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you want to go first? Uh, so I'll kick off. So <clears throat> what, um, a presumably song, what song is top of your party playlist? What's your go-to to... <laughs> okay, let me get my phone. Two seconds. <laughs> you know, go-to... Consult the Oracle player. that is Spotify. Yeah. Top of my pocket. To set the mood. Playlist. Okay, hold on. <clears throat> yeah, maybe literally in this case. <laughs> okay, at the top of my party playlist is a song called Wanted by an artist called Noted. Dance artist, a dance group from, I think, Sweden. But that's a go-to oh. for setting oh, very mood. Cool. Interesting. I'll have to give that a listen. Yeah. Very different to the stuff we've been listening to. (laughs) 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 Anything Swedish is good in my book. True. true. I mean, exactly. We return there. (laughs) Um, What is the most fiendishly difficult piano piece you have ever played? Probably Liszt's second Hungarian Rhapsody, just for kind of sheer stamina. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pretty brutal. (laughs) Yeah. Gosh. What a piece of it. I mean, I love, I love it. Is that the famous one, yeah? Yeah. This yeah. I, tried, um, I did try to learn the da, 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 da. section of it once. The yeah. Frisca, though. Yeah. Oh, ba-dum, it's ba-dum, so good. Ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. good. It's really good. Ba-dum, ba-dum. It's great. But it does give you nightmares. Word of warning. My next question is, if you could have a gold medal in any Olympic sport, what sport would you choose? I think it would have to be swimming. Just the kind of, I did it as a youth and the admiration I have for kind of the top swimmers, top athletes, kind of the all round fitness required to get to the top level of that sport is just unbelievable. I think I'd be in a better place if I was yeah, yeah. <laughs> that kind of physically. Yeah, it's just incredible. Get yourself to Manchester Aquatic Centre. I wish. Sadly, it's not open. <laughs> Thanks okay. to COVID, yet again. <laughs> Just jump in a river somewhere or something, you know, get exactly. going. Exactly. Manchester's got a few. There's a yeah. canal just, uh, on Oxford Road. 
<laughs> yeah, that looks great for us, one. Yeah. <laughs> you might catch a few diseases, but... Yeah, while you're at it, exactly. <laughs> while you're aquatic? No, you're not good. No, no. What if you're a cocktail of choice? Oh, mojito. Definitely mojito. Yes. Good answer. Yeah, that's fine as well. Good. With a little bit of brown like ages since the glass. We were... Definitely. It feels like ages since mint. we've been having cocktails, you know. I know. feels like a past place. life. Yeah. Yeah. itself is sad. <laughs> it won't be long, guys. We'll be there. We'll be True. back. Here's hoping. Down in pitches. <laughs> <laughs> Whether we want to go back yeah. there is another question. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we can allow it at least once because it's like being reborn after yeah. this. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. What is... <laughs> The one thing that irritates you or niggles you the most about classical music? Uh, people being pedantic about it right. um, and not being open to kind of new audience. I think it's so important that we try and bring in a young audience um, to, to, to concerts and to listening to listen to it online and things. And I think mm. sometimes we're our own worst enemies in terms of kind of creating this culture of like, it is pedantic and it's kind of i don't know the culture itself it's difficult but i think if yeah, we were a bit more relaxed snobby but a bit exactly a bit kind of too particular about too what's... particular too pretentious about yeah. it and i think we just need to to maybe be a bit more chilled about it and open it up to people and that'll serve us well down the line but that would probably be my biggest pet peeve no I like <laughs> that's that. a good one yeah who is your favorite non-musical role model oh I think for me, it would have to be Elon Musk, actually. I just think oh. what he's done is quite incredible. Also, his, you know, so he studied, I think, physics and economics at, at uni in Canada. Um, and basically, you know, for, obviously had the physics background, but basically self-taught um, himself rocket science and, and all that side of things. And then obviously founded SpaceX and has done so well. And I just think his worth work ethic even is just so admirable. Um, and his commitment to his cause, kind of belief in, yeah, I guess belief in in a future that humanity is kind of, don't know, better off than it is now. And and I just think, yeah, his work ethic and his um, desire to create these companies that benefit everybody is is admirable. Uh, so my last question is: describe yourself in one word. It's quite a tough one actually, but passionate, I think, probably. Oh, good. That's good. A good one. Well, that's a but that doesn't really cover what it's a what I'm passionate about. But yeah, I think I think that probably sums. No, it's else. just a general sort of. Yeah, I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. And I have one more question as well. Um, who is one musician, dead or alive, that everyone should be raving about but isn't currently? Oh, it can be <laughs> everyone. This likes that is a difficult one. Oh my days. Who basically the quest? I guess the question is most who underrated. Do you want the listeners to go out and look at the, when okay. they wouldn't have. have have found them before okay maybe lyle mays actually the the pianist the jazz pianist that i played earlier i think mm. i mean sure a lot of fans but more more for his work with pat metheny and less for his own solo um music which i think yeah. deserves as much praise um so yeah i think certainly in the jazz community maybe a wider recognition for for him that's a great answer yeah right. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, thanks for joining us. Anyway. Thank you so it's much, Ethan. To have you on. No, thank you for having me. Great to chat to you both, and thank you for the wonderful music. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. To quote one. Ava, so just... <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> there we have it. Oh, Full cycle. Uh, yeah, give nice. me, give me, give me some more of that. 
That's, I'm just going to stop talking. Now. I'll kill that. That's <laughs> worse thing. <laughs> Who's the host? <laughs> I'm going to stop recording now. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for joining us in our first episode of Series 2 of the Nobel Peace Prize. And come back next week when we'll be joined by brilliant flautist Anna Rogers to talk about the flute. Belief in 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 a future, and I, I guess a. I just put it. You can cut this. But I'll just you into a state of relaxation. You are. Did you say lul- Did you say Luli is you? Oh, Luli is you. No, that's going in. I'm kidding. <laughs> no. No. God forbid. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>